It's another edition of the RU Review at moresportsnow.com. Brought to you by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. It's another full house. I'm Steve Tichner in our Jersey studio with John McAlevey and Matt Lachlan. And on the phone, former Rutgers player and current radio color commentator for Rutgers football, Eric Legrand. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Very well. Uh, Listen, Rutgers did what they had to do in week one. And Matt alluded to it. Uh, this victory was never in doubt. It was important to have a dominant victory here, and, and that, that's what they did. Exactly what they did. We talked about it last week. How they need to go out there and just dominate from the beginning. Get you know your starters out at the end of the third quarter. Get some younger guys in the play. And with this new rule allowing freshmen to play four games and then they can still redshirt is awesome because you got a lot of action from the freshman guys. I was talking with Coach Ash yesterday, and we were talking about how. A lot of those guys got to play and uh, really impress them and see what they got going forward. And as you mentioned last week, Eric, there were times early in your time at Rutgers where you got in late in the game, but it got you a feel. It got you a taste. So that is important for those players not to have to sit on the sideline because it's 14-12 with a minute and a half to go, but that Coach Ash could get some of those young guys in and they get a little flavor of college football and understand a little bit more that they're at a next the next level. And that certainly is one of the benefits of that rule and what happened on Saturday. What impressed you most? What stood out from the victory over Texas State? Honestly, it was the defense. They had, I believe, it was like, Seven tackles for loss. They um, they were they were able to just be disruptive all day long. Linebackers flying around the D lineman making plays, batted balls, um, intercept, having turnovers, interceptions. It was that defense flying around. I wasn't sure how it was going to be dealing with the up tempo offense. Obviously, the skill levels were very different between Rutgers and Texas State. But you know, Rutgers usually has a problem with, that, with those up tempo offenses and figure, and they usually take a quarter or two to figure it out. But right away, they came out to punch Texas State in the mouth of the defense as she pitched the shutout. The only reason why they scored that day was because of a pick six, but the defense played awesome, and they were they looked very dominant from the, from the uh, opening start. They did a great job, Eric, and they took a lot of pressure off the offense. Uh, a lot of talk coming in was that freshman Artur Sitkowski was going to get the start, and any quarterback will tell you that his best friend is a good running game, uh, and, and I see a bit of a fire and ice type of thing going on here maybe this year with Rutgers, with uh, Raheem Blackshear being lightning, uh, and Jonathan Hilleman, who's back for his uh, postgrad year from Boston College, being the battering ram up the middle. Those two guys guys could help a young quarterback out, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. As you said, the uh, quarterback's best friend is a running game, especially that young. And I actually love the way McNulty called the game and what he's doing with Raheem Blackshaw. They realize he's their most dynamic player on the offense. So he's going to line him up in different ways to get him the ball, whether if it's lined up in the eye formation in the back and running with him, or if he's going to have him as a single back, do a play-action fake to him and catch a pass out of the backfield. Line him up at wide receiver, do a screen, or line him up at wide receiver, motion him in to do jet sweeps. He did everything and showed showed all, his whole arsenal what he can do with Raheem Blackshear, which I think is very very important because he needs the ball in his hands. And Hillman, he he showed that he's going to be one of those guys that gets those tough yards in between the tackles. You put him in those goal line situations against touchdowns, getting carries or carries a whole team into the end zone. You know, mm-hmm. that's the type of back that he's going to be, and that's what he's going to need to be for them. But Another guy that stood out to me, who I knew from the very beginning, from the beginning when we signed him, Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, I was just about to mention him. Highlight film. 
Mm-hmm. It was something different about him, and he yeah. went out there and he showed he was bad. Yeah. Now it was very bad. It was garbage time, but he showed up, and I'll tell you what he made. A, he made a statement for some playing time, certainly because he he looks tough. Yeah, seventy six yards. He did. Also, I believe it was eleven carries and like says garbage time. But when he got his time in there, he showed like whoa. This guy, needs, this guy needs to be on the field. It don't matter who's out there. You can just see. I remember when Raheem Blackshear came on, came up. I forgot who they were playing last year. It was, either, it was Morgan State or something. But he just showed that he had another level. It's like, whoa, that guy has another level of speed. We got to get him out there. Pacheco just showed that he just has a number, another level of just ability to run that ball. He, he ran very mad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's going to get those tough yards for you as well. Eric, let's turn to the quarterback, Artur Sikowski. He had his moments. Uh, he has a strong arm. Uh, we saw a quick release. We saw some accuracy. But as you alluded to last week, he was going to make some mistakes, and he did. Uh, so give us that overall, uh, your overall uh, feeling on his, uh, his performance. I'm happy with it. As you know, it's his first game ever out there for another team, finally. He's been here since January, but he's been going against Rutgers the entire time. Finally gets his chance for another team. And like you said, I knew he was going to have his mistakes, but the things that stood out to me was him being able to go down the field, I believe, two straight drives to open the game and put 14 points up on the board and not make those mistakes there. And being able to control everyone, get everyone lined up in the huddle. The one problem, the one issue that they had, which was a very debatable call, I thought it was his best throw in the game. I believe it was in the second half mm-hmm. of the part. Or the end of the first half was when he hit Jerome Washington yeah. in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. It was a beautiful ball. That's one of those one of those balls that say, "Whoa, mm-hmm. that guy can play on Sunday." And he looked in there. They had a they had the right tackle lined up in the backfield a little bit too far. That's why they didn't say enough men were on the line of scrimmage. So it's one of those eh, plays. But it was nothing wrong with what Art did. He did exactly what he needed to do, and it was very very impressive to see the now the mistakes that he made. He has to learn that he has to throw guys open. He can't wait to say, oh, that guy's open. Now let me throw it. No, not. Now if you saw versus Texas State, they were able, when you do that, they're able to jump the route and take it for a touchdown. Now imagine playing Ohio State this week. If you don't throw guys mm-hmm. open, there is no room for you to sit there and say, oh, he's open. Now let me throw. No, you have to see that he's going to be open before he breaks out of his route. Right. And he'll learn that as he goes, watches the film and sees things like that as he develops. But that's the mistakes I think that he makes holding on to the ball a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. Has to get rid of it a lot faster. But yeah, he learns. He's young. That yeah. was his first game. He was locking into receivers, uh, and uh, you know, and, and also, he, yeah, he was the ball was coming out too late. Uh, but overall, you know, that look, that arm. Listen, Rashino and Lewis don't have the arm that this guy has. I mean, it's very clear, and we saw it on display on Saturday for sure. Absolutely, Eric. I was going to ask you um, another best friend of a quarterback and a young quarterback is time. You say you got to throw guys open. Well, to be able to do that, you have to be upright for you know three, four. Or five seconds in the backfield. Now he did take some shots on Saturday, and being a big guy, he's able to you know get up and dust himself off. But he took some shots. That was Texas State coming after him. It's going to be a whole new ball of wax out in Columbus. Nick Bosa and his friends are not going to play patty cake with him. How do you see this offensive line coming together, and will they be able to keep him upright? Well, John, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because that was a question that I had for Coach Ash yesterday. And uh, it's not me, Chris Carlin, that's about the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And he said the Texas State, they, if you see in the beginning of the game is when Art took a lot of his hits and, you know, towards the end they were able to protect him. And that's because they had a new defensive coordinator, so they didn't know 
what they were going to be throwing at, what was coming at them. Okay. They had no idea in the very beginning what was going to come at them. So as you see later in the game, they started adjusting. They were able to protect them a little bit better than they were in the beginning because it's their first game and they didn't put anything on film. So that's always hard to get ready for and prepare for, he said. He said, with Ohio State coming, you know what they're coming with. <laughs> he's played them. He's coached them. He knows exactly what they're going to do in and out. But now it's just the players that they have up front doing it. You know, so that's going to be that's going to be the battle. He knows the Rutgers knows exactly what they're going to do. Ohio State knows what they're going to do on defense. Now it's all about trying to to have the you know the enough guys in there to protect them. I think we're going to see a lot more tight ends in on this this week protecting you know and, and doing a little chips to those defensive ends as you missed, mentioned the Nick Bosa coming off that edge. He could be he could be the number one overall pick this year covered up. So mm, that's right. See. Yeah, no, he is a terrific talent. There's no question about that. So as we make the transition from the week one victory to game number two against Ohio State this Saturday, before we actually start talking a little bit about the Buckeyes, I would think the only negative thing that came out of the Texas State game, the injury to Mason gone for the season. How does that affect the defense mm-hmm. with that fractured leg? And then um I know when you talk to a coach in the middle of the week, he understands you're not going to use the information until Saturday. So I don't want to get you in trouble. But did he give any indication that Bless on Austin is going to be available because uh, he's banged up a bit, too, in that defensive backfield? Yeah, yeah I believe Bless, Bless will be fine. I think he said that the only reason why he didn't go back in the game was because of who they were playing. And they had it pretty much in hand and they have a young guy in Avery Young who they really wanted to see who they said they're really, really excited about. So there was no reason to, you know, throw your all-star cornerback in there in that type of situation, especially when you have a young guy that you want to see and throw him in the fire and put him in, out there in those situations. So I think Bless would be okay. Um, Tywan Mason, unfortunately, I mean, Mason, unfortunately, he's, you know, had that injury who they were looking to forward to for having a big year along with Elon Moore, who really showed out on defense on uh, on a Saturday, who is going to need to, you know, keep that up, you know, that pass rush and, It'll just be an all-around force on defense and blocking the field goal as well. But um, that's a big it's a big loss because when he needs to be spelled a little bit to get a break, T. Juan Mason they were excited about how he came along in the spring and the summer had a great camp and they were excited to get him out there. So that's going to hurt them a little bit, especially in the position where they don't have a lot of depth. But hey, in, the, in this game of football, it's the next man up. Eric, uh, Ohio State's a tough subject for Rutgers, man. I mean, (laughs) since they joined the Big Ten, they've been absolutely dominated. And we don't even have to look at the numbers. Chris Ash hasn't scored a point against (laughs) Ohio State. But I got to point that out. Now, I may be reaching, but I got a little theory here. JT Barrett has absolutely killed Rutgers and more with Mm -hmm. his feet than even with his arm. Now, I know Ohio State's high on Dwayne Haskins. He's got a great arm, but he's not as good with his feet. Maybe, just maybe, Rutgers matches up with their secondary uh, with Haskins more so than what we've seen in the past with JT Barrett. Maybe they can defend Ohio State better this year. I mean, I'm, and perhaps I said I'm reaching, but what, what are your thoughts there? No, I, I'm reaching with you. I'm yeah. reaching with you out there because you look at it with JT Barrett. We caught him in his last two years at Ohio State where he was just, he knew that offense and now he knew how to make plays. He's one of the best players in all of college football and everything that he was able to do at Ohio State. You know, we called him as a veteran. He was a well-oiled machine when you played J.T. Barrett. And he, like you said, just on his feet can just dominate the game as well. Dwayne Haskins, they talk about how great he can throw the ball and things like that. But 
he's still young, and he, I know he came in the game versus Michigan last year and led him to a victory and things like that. But he still doesn't, he doesn't have the experience that JT Barrett has. So you can still throw different looks at him and different pressures where it might confuse him and things like that and able to make a mistake. And so when you have those defensive backs that Brooklyn has with all those snaps and things like that, you're going to have to rely on them to be able to make plays for you or be able to hold coverages longer for you because you want to try certain things that you want to mix them up so he can maybe confuse them and get them flustered, make them frustrated a little bit, hit them. No quarterback likes to be hit. And mm. I remember when Coach Seattle used to, when we used to play, if you can get to the quarterback and hit him and hit him and hit him, by the fourth quarter, they're going to throw you the ball. They're tired of being hit. <laughs> Absolutely. Eric, put your helmet on and think back to your playing days. Some of these young men will be walking out of the tunnel in Columbus, Ohio, for the first time playing at Ohio State, something I'm sure they've all grown up watching on television. I mean, they're on they're on every Saturday for forever. Um, and, and as a player, you know, take me through it. What goes through your mind looking and thinking that you're going to have to play a game, you know, within an hour or so? Um, what goes through your mind when you're you're on that hallowed ground? It is very, very interesting when you go on the road for the first time ever as a young guy. I never had that road experience before because, you know, you're staying in a different hotel in a different town. You get to go through the whole, you know, the night before experience and things like that. You try to keep it as the same as possible for a home game, but mm-hmm. it's still a little bit different. And then when you come out into that stadium and everyone's booing you and not cheering you on, like, yay, happy for you, it is different. I'll never forget pulling up to Country Road, West Virginia. <laughs> oh, yes. That place in the house. You get that hillbilly dressed up and that oh, musket man. firing, man, it's crazy down in uh, in West Virginia. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were giving us the finger as we were pulling up and things like that. I'm like, what in the world? We got everyone booing us, even all the way up to where they dropped us off at the tunnel. And then when we came out of that tunnel, they were going, just going in. I'm like, wow, this is college football right here. Would you think? Would you say that that was the uh, the craziest atmosphere that you played in on the road? What was the what was the one place that that you thought, wow, like you're looking around as you're stretching and, and getting ready, and like, wow, look where I am. I'm on the field yeah. at so and so. By far, West Virginia won that year. We played with Pat White and Noel Devine, and they were supposed uh-huh. to be, you know, really, really good. That was all crazy atmosphere, but another atmosphere which got me to my freshman year was pretty crazy. When we played LaShawn McCoy at Pitt, mm-hmm. there, I don't even know if it was the, the fans that were loud. The fans were loud, but the theatrics that they had on the Jumbotron got you. So every time they filled up that Heinz ketchup bottle, it was loud and <laughs> had the Panther roaring and all that stuff. So I've, been, I've been in some crazy atmospheres like that, but Ohio State now, that's that's next level. I don't know if I can compare anything to 105,000 people that are going to be screaming OHIO at you. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, that's big time college athletics, no question. And, you know, you talked about Morgantown. Baton Rouge is another one of those places. I mean, there are certain mm. towns in America when mm. the home college football team is in action, everything stops oh. and it's. It's it's one of the great joys of college football. Maybe not to be on the receiving end all the time, but to participate in it. And I think that's the that's the exciting thing for Rutgers is that they'll be challenged. They know they're taking on the number four team in the country. Uh, they know the numbers are against them in terms of point spread. And as I mentioned earlier, I mean, Coach Ash hasn't been able to put a point on the board against Ohio State. I think this game will be different, though, for a lot of reasons. I don't think Rutgers 
will win. You play the game, so let's see what happens. But I do think that Mm this will be an opportunity for Chris. And I think he said it in his news conference, uh, his Monday media conference, like – this, this is a little bit of a game where you will measure where you've come as a program. We know the yeah. numbers last year, 56 nothing. The year before, 58 nothing. I don't think it'll be that. I think Rutgers, you never go in, do you, saying, well, if we lose, it's okay. The goal is to win. But I think a loss here, as long as it's reasonably competitive, really is what Rutgers can then hang its hat on a little bit, like the tide has turned. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's, you, you got to show progress here. And then even Vegas gave the odds. I believe it started at minus 33 for Ohio State. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're showing, I think that they see too, you, you get some, you, you got to show progress here for, for where the squad has come from. You know, when he got here in 2016 to where they are in 2018. And he's, he said he was watching film with the two linebackers. Deontay Roberts and Trevor Morris from 2016 when they first were playing. He goes, look at you guys then. And now look at you guys now. He said it was a complete joke. They were in there laughing at how how bad they were in 2016 compared to how much they developed now and how, how much better they've gotten to in 2018. And those guys are going to have to lead that defense, you know, those linebackers with that leadership because they played in that in that building before. But some also as they won, they played there before. Saquon Hayes and Kai Hester, Damon Hayes hasn't yet. But, you know, those guys are going to have to lead these guys up front. Uh, and uh, everybody's just... But that atmosphere is going to be great. It's going to be crazy. But I think they're going to show progress, and even on the offensive side, being able to put some points up on the board. And the best part, you're getting them week two. So Ohio State's not rolling yet, even though they did put up 77 points on the <laughs> yeah, yeah, They showed they did show on defense. That's 11 uh, touchdowns that back, over that back seven. They lost a lot of people, so it's. Mm-hmm. They're learning. They're yeah, and I, don't, and I don't know if Jordan Fuller's back. He missed the game with the hamstring, and he's a big key part of their defensive backfield. So does Rutgers try a bunch of quick, quick hitters? I mean, I know that that's what John McNulty mm-hmm. wants to do. He wants to open up the field and be aggressive. Or is a ground control game, to the degree that they're able to do that, milk the clock a little bit, is that more Rutgers style, do you think? This well, week, this week. That's an extension of the run game when he draws little screen passes and stuff like that. That's just an extension of the run game. So absolutely, you start your quarterback off with those little, you know, little screen passes, then you run the ball five yard outs, you know, just to get the flow of things going and get your quarterback into the game. That's what you start him off with and see how you're doing with that. Can you move the chains or are you going three and out? And then after a while, you got to take a shot depending on what the situation of the game is, of course, and where you're at. But you want to, you don't want to get behind the, the ball fast. You want to be able to get your defense at rest too, and be able to line up. And if you want to go, if you're hitting on all cylinders, you want to be able to pick it up and go up tempo. I like that record show that versus Texas State because all game they were lining up in the huddle, line up in the huddle, you know, then come out. But at one point they started picking it up and they went all the way down the field and scored. So to have the ability to do that is also big. So I'm looking forward to it. But at the beginning, I think yeah, they're going to take their time and. You know, you're going to see one play, you know, then snap probably with 10 to five, 5 to 10 seconds left on the clock, then you snap it again, you know, you get your defense arrested and you get your, time, your team time to make a play and you say, hey, we can play with these guys. Eric, do you put anything into Urban Meyer not being on the sideline? Uh, does that help Rutgers or does it not matter? Uh, he's back at practice now, so he still has his influence on mm-hmm. the team. You know, on game day, you really don't see the head coach that much on the side. I remember. It was more of me being on my position coach when you see him when you're coming off the field and things like that. But 
I guess game day decisions, that's where it's about, like on the headphone ones, but as a player, you know, you're really not by the head coach unless you get in trouble and he's pulling you off to the side. But other than that, you're mainly with your position coach and talking to your other teammates on how to work things through. Unless, unless you know, coach comes over and like, hey, we need to do this, this, that. We should coach here. They used to do here and there. But otherwise, you're not really, you don't really see, as a player, you don't really see the coach. But as coaches, you know, now it's a different kind of making the decision. So I think it's more of the coaches have, you know, a bigger, it has a bigger impact on them than it does the players. Eric, taking things off the field a bit here, how is recruiting going? I know in college sports, it's the lifeblood. If you don't recruit 365, then you're not going to be a successful program. I see that Rutgers got a commitment from uh, a running back within the last Mm -hmm. week or so. Have you heard from the coaches? Are they upbeat with how things are going, how they're being received in living rooms and kitchens all around the country? Well, the coaches, when they go talk about recruiting, they don't ever get into exact details. So with mm-hmm. the players, you know, you don't want that out there. You keep that in-house on, you know, which guys you're going after, how do you feel about them. But they do talk about is the the stuff that's around them, the being, being that big commitment from the Brown family, Greg and Anna Brown, for that $400, I mean, $4 million renovation of a new locker room. Those fields that they have, the practice fields are top of the yard. Top of the line of practice field by far and then one of the best in the nation. You know, all the new things that they're doing around in a new weight room, that's the stuff that helps you with the recruiting. And they keep on saying that if you want the players to come here and play, we have to put the money into building these facilities and around that to show these kids that Rutgers is stepping up. We are a Big Ten school. This is what we have here. This is what we have to offer you. Like if you're not, if you're going to go to Ohio State and see this or that or see this at Michigan, but if you come to Rutgers and you say, oh, wow, they got the same thing or even better, it's like, I can play here. I can stay home. So I know it's, it's, it's an exciting time to end with all the change that's going on with the facilities. And, and now, like I said, the $4 million commitment from the Brown family is huge. And I think it's just going to be it's going to be a next step for them to get those guys to stay home. And even the guys that are bordering around them, those, those three, four-star guys that want to come and stay local to play, you know, I can go do this right at Rutgers. And, a big guy I know that they want is uh, Avery Young's brother, Aaron Young, who's a big-time running back out in Pennsylvania. I believe he's going to get his fourth star after you know, the performances he's going to be putting up this year. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing how they keep on recruiting these guys and getting some playmakers you know, and finding also some D linemen that they're going to need in the future. Those are the hardest positions to get, to get those playmakers on offense and defense and getting defensive linemen. That's one of the hardest things to recruit. Well, Rutgers got a verbal commit this week from Karon Adams uh, out of mm-hmm. Ohio, three three star recruit. Um, who interesting timing, right? Yeah, in yeah. Ohio. Now you know it's a verbal, mm-hmm. like. Haskins verbally committed to Maryland and then he switched yeah. to Ohio State. Uh, so a verbal doesn't mean you're going there. But the fact that they were able to Especially go nowadays. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Right. I mean, your word is not your word anymore. It's unfortunate. But at any rate, uh, you know, he's a three star guy and he the. Uh, the Scarlet Knights are able to go into Ohio State territory and pull one out because too many guys go from Jersey elsewhere. Uh, so you got to pull guys from other spots, too. Uh, you know, we've talked about a couple of things here, uh, Eric, and you mentioned Coach Ciano's name a lot. And we know now that, you know, he's the right hand man to Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Chris Ash, of course, coached there uh, before coming to Rutgers. Can you tell our listeners what Greg Ciano is like, um, you know, we see the stoicism, uh, the 
Marine Corps, if you will, type approach, the military approach to what you need in football. I mean, very serious about his craft. But what, what, what was he like away from the field? Away from the field, you know, he's very much locked into what, what's, whatever is going on. He is, when he was talking always about chop the moment, he's the type of guy that is in the moment. Of course, maybe in his head, he got 100 other 50, 50 things going on. But when he's in the, when he's around you, he tries to be in the moment and enjoy that moment. Yeah, I remember, I'll never forget when he came up when I first got hurt to Kessler. And my, at the time, my only nephew was running around. He was about 15, 16 months, years old. And I heard Coach Yanda do goo goo gaga with him. I'm like, <laughs> I said, who is that? <laughs> that is not the guy I know who was just screaming at me a, a few weeks ago, right? Leading up to the game. Like, I'm like, he showed a different side of him, like that, that like family side when it comes to kids and things like that. I was like, wow, didn't even know he had it in him, but he really is a great man. And, you know, he's a man of his word. And, Does he, you know, he just tries to, he, try, he tries to get the best out of all the people around him, especially when it comes to football. He just, he demands your, 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 your best. And that's sometimes rubs people the wrong way. But when he gets it out of you, you can see what he can, what he does with his players, but he demands your, your best. Coaches will say a game like this, and Greg would say the same. I'm sure Chris would say the same. Oh, this is just another game on the schedule. There's nothing extra involved, despite their relationships uh, with their respective schools, uh, their former schools. Does it mean something to the coaches? Are they just lying to us? Are they just trying to keep yeah. uh, their emotions in check? <laughs> They're definitely, yeah, definitely asking something. They understand that it's a job, so they have to, you know, put that that hard on. Like this is a job. I'm now at Ohio State, or I'm now at Rutgers, and this is what I got to do. But you never forget where you came from and all the meaning that it has. Especially Coach Shiano at Rutgers, and what he was able to build here, and the people around him, and things like that. How much he was worshipped, pretty much here, when he, especially when he first left. You know, you got to see that, and he knows that. And especially when he first returns here. But, you know, they're trying to put on that the hard hat because they know they do have a job at the end of the day. And not, he's not at Rutgers anymore. His job is defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And then vice versa with Coach Ash, he's not the defensive coordinator at Ohio State anymore. So he's going to, of course, they remember his time there, see some of the players and stuff like that. But now he's at Rutgers and he has a job to do. So they do put on that hard hat. But I'm sure they reflect on that, you know, behind the scenes and stuff like that. You're listening to the RU Review brought to you by Zebra Pen. We're talking to Eric LeGrand. And Eric, how about a shout out to a couple guys that are playing on Sunday? And Janarian Grant, we knew he was he was he had what it takes to, to play on Sunday. But then, you know, the injury uh, against Iowa, a lot of question marks, but he made the Ravens. And how about Robert uh, Martin making the Giants? Pretty exciting, huh? It is. You're getting to see those guys go out there and uh, live their dream of playing in the NFL and showing them that. You know, the development at Rutgers, they were able to get to the NFL, and that helps you also in recruiting, knowing that you guys got guys going to the NFL year in and year out and making that roster, because that is not an easy thing to do to make that 50, from 90 to 53. It's a lot of people losing their jobs, and to be a part of that 53 is not, it's not easy to come, but, you know, congratulations to them, man. I'm looking forward to seeing their careers and developments. I can't wait to see how, like, the generic rep got hit with that injury that, Really, you know, you didn't know where he was going to go with it, but he was able to show that that he can be that guy, that special team guy, or even line up at wide receiver. So, good for him. Last one from me, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Steve may have one more. I don't know, but so walking off the field in Columbus on Saturday, a win would be a shocker. That's the goal, of course. But short of that, what would make you 
happy from a Rutgers standpoint. What do you want to see on Saturday to understand that there are good times ahead? This is a different year. A bowl mm-hmm. is a possibility, and Rutgers is not going to be walked over. Well, I'm an optimistic type of guy, so I'm going in there hoping with a win, you know, with a shock the world type type attitude. And, you know, that's the type of person I am. You know, I'm hoping for that and anything else, and I would be a little bit disappointed with them for the ones to walk away. You know, as you said, not getting blown out, showing that you can punch them back in the face and not just get punched all day long and be knocked out on the ground. You got to be able to punch them back, put some points on the board, show that you can, like I said, play at this level with these guys and not just get totally outmatched and top you know, just thrown around out there. That's what I want to see because past two years, you know, I think they lasted with Ohio State for a quarter last year. And after that, it was done. Be able to do it for four quarters now. And I said, fight back. Throw some punches back. Can't just keep on mm-hmm. taking get, get punched all day. And on defense, I want to see them be able to get some three outs. Have Ohio State rattled a little bit. Don't let them just go up and down the field all day long and doing whatever they want. So. I'm hoping we see some of that. Little Scarlet Pride, yeah. little Jersey Pride. And no doubt. Hey, exactly. Eric, you know, we know you're super busy, so it's uh, it's a thrill to have you on the show. We're happy to uh, you take a little time for us, and uh, we're excited about the season, so we'll uh, catch up to you certainly later in the season as well. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Talk with you soon. All right. Be well. And that's Eric Legrand joining us. Always good to have him on. And, you know, again, I said it earlier Ohio State's a tough subject, man. I mean, listen, they've just blown us out since we've entered the Big Ten. And I mean, look, not even just, close. 49-7. And we're just hoping, the closest to, we're to, just the hoping to hang on. I mean, that's what it is. But I, I do agree with you, Matt. I think that uh, I think that Rutgers is going to have more fight in them. I think they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit. And I think, that, you know, again, JT Barrett absolutely killed us. I mean, just to see him not there. Now, I know that the Dwayne Haskins is a very good quarterback yes. with a really good arm and had a, quite an impressive uh, first week where they scored 11 touchdowns, hello, 77. I know it's I know it's Oregon State, but come on. That's a pretty impressive uh, performance yes. against any football team. So you got to believe that that's a high-powered offense. And, and you know, but you know what? Listen, uh, Rutgers, that's their strength is their secondary. So it's... That interests me a little bit. I well, they also think gave they can up, slow them down. Well, they also gave up 31 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were confused by some misdirection. Yeah. And so the defense needs to work for Ohio State. So it should be a better game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would think getting into the second half where Ohio State has to make adjustments and Rutgers says, hey, guys, if we play the way we did in the first half, we have a shot here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a beautiful thing. Yep, mm-hmm. you go in trying to win, but the yeah. reality is they probably won't, but beat the spread. Could they also yeah. be coming in with maybe Ohio State overlooking them, thinking, hey, listen, we're looking ahead. This is Rutgers. It's not like we're playing a legitimate you know, Big you know, Ten team here. And maybe they can take advantage of something like that. Just like not Eric that said, kind punch of them team. in the mouth. I just, they're not that kind of team because they haven't yet. They've just flat out blown us out every time. You keep so saying us, what do you have, a mouse uh, in your pocket? I, well, you know, I got my, well, you have a Rutgers, a nice Rutgers uh, shirt on there, by the way, yes. joining the ranks, which is great, man. You just, well, you're Providence doing review, wear some scarlet red. Providence hey? doesn't have a football team, so that's okay. <laughs> neither does Seton Hall. But, no, Seton Hall uh, once did, but yeah. no longer. Yeah. Did Providence ever have a football team? They did, yeah. It was sort of a clubby type of a thing, and yeah. it didn't go that Seton far. Seton Hall won a Division Three national championship just before I went there, and then mm-hmm. they played at the Division mm-hmm. Three level 
for several years after I left and then ultimately gave it up. But anyway, we yeah. digress. We, as I, yeah, I put some predictions out there right before the Texas State game. So what did and, you have uh, for and I week? And I had him, uh, you know, uh, I think I, I just had him hanging in because uh, here's the bottom line. I mean, even if they play the game of their life and really exceed expectations to go into the shoe and, and win that game against the the fourth ranked team in the country is just a lot to ask and so you just you're back to hey the, the moral victory the hey let's hang on there and let's fight that kind of thing and um and that's just the reality right now steve can i take you to what you actually said i'm actually on the website yeah, awesome. now. what i say go you say there. urban meyer is not on the sideline but it won't matter the buckeyes have too much talent and they are playing at the shoe going in there with a young quarterback and hoping for a win Ain't going to happen. Okay. Final score, Ohio State 38, Rutgers 10. Okay, so we'll look at four That's touchdowns. All right, listen, it co- yeah. they, we cover there, and I said we again. Hey, I'm a alum. Come on, what do you want? Yeah. Uh, so, hey, listen, we'll, we'll see, but it's, it's again, the elite of the Big Ten. It's just going to be a challenge right now. Um, but, look, uh, I give them a chance at home, perhaps, against one of these teams in the future. Look, they hung with Michigan State at one, at, for one game. They beat Michigan one year. Uh, they, look, they did. You know, they hung with Iowa. I mean, they've hung around with some, some, it's some storied Big Ten teams, but they have not hung even, even come close to hanging around with Ohio State. So maybe this time... They do hang around. I think but to that's get the, the get the W's uh, going to be three thirty Saturday afternoon yep. on the Big Ten Network, and it can also be heard on the Rutgers Radio Network. Chris Carlin on the call, and uh, he'll be joined by Ray Lucas and Fooch Anthony Fuchilli. We have to get and him you can on hear the show. us on iTunes on SoundCloud. Don't forget our site moresportsnow.com. And that'll Thanks do to it. Zebra. For this week's RU Review, brought to you by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. Special thanks to Eric Legrand. I'm Steve Titchener here with John McAlevey and Matt Lachlan. We'll be back next week with more RU Review. Bye-bye.